Our first reading this morning is from Matthew, chapter 26, verses 57 through 68. Those who had arrested, arrested Jesus took him to Caiaphas, the high priest where the scribes and elders had gathered. But Peter was following him at a distance, as far as the courtyard of the high priest, and going inside, he sat with the guards in order to see how this would end. Now the chief priests and the whole council were looking for false testimony against Jesus, so they might put him to death, but they found none, though many false witnesses came forward. At last, two came forward and said, This fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and build it in three days. The high priest stood up and said, Have you no answer? What is it that they testify against you? But Jesus was silent. Then the high priest said to him, I put you under oath before the living God. Tell us if you are the Messiah, the Son of God. Jesus said to him, You have said so, but I tell you, from now on you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothes and said, He has blasphemed. Why do you still need witnesses? You have now heard his blasphemy. What do you think? They answered. He deserves death. Then they spat in his face and struck him. And some slapped him, saying, Prophecy to us, you Messiah. Who is it that struck you? This is a passage that we sometimes hear during like uh, uh, Good Friday and, and things like that. But it's one that... Uh, Sometimes we, we gloss over. We just kind of get to the, you know, the crucifixion and everything like that. But this is a, this is a moment that I want us to focus on, uh, particularly this, this time for a reason. Uh, th- this is one of those, uh, those sermons that I'm not crazy about giving, but it's one that I need to. You, know, you ever have one of those? Well, I mean, not that you're giving sermons, but I guess. But, you know, uh, I want us to, to put ourselves into frame here, into this one scene. You ever notice that when someone is wanting to do something that they know is wrong, they'll try to do it in secret. They'll try to do it in the darkness. Uh, I've done my best sinning in secret. You know, I don't, I don't go out in the streets and, you know, announce it to the world. Uh, the, the religious leaders knew what they were doing was, was wrong. There were no trials at night. There were no trials usually during Passover. They knew that they were going to get Jesus uh, where there would be limited amounts of people to argue that they were taking him. Uh, where we left off, Jesus is with his disciples. He sees Judas coming with a large mob of people with clubs and knives, and they haul him away. And now he's sitting, Caiaphas is sitting, the leader of the leader of the leaders. He's the religious guy, the one that they all come and see. And you know they didn't wake him up and say, Caiaphas, please wake up, we have to. He was, he's been waiting for this moment. He's been waiting for this. The religious leaders of this time have been waiting because what they want is they want to have, find something that trips Jesus up. They want him to say some magical word that they can say the word blasphemy. Because blasphemy was a, was a high offense. That was, the, that was the one smoking gun that they were looking for. If they can just claim that, he blasphemed, they feel like they've got him. 
Now, there's some debate of whether or not uh, the religious leaders actually had the authority to put a person to death or whether they need the approval of Rome. There's been some debate going on about both of those. Uh, I can tell you this, Rome didn't really care if someone was put to death, especially if it was an Israelite. They, it wasn't a concern to them. If they got word that they were being unruly, so be it. Just, just knock them off. We're good with that. And that's what they were kind of hoping for. Before Jesus was ever even bound and brought there, they knew that that was their task. And so we see the scene here, and Jesus is standing here, and he is, uh, I imagine that he's probably got his hands tied, and he's standing there, and around him are a bunch of religious leaders. It may not be the entire mob that brought him there, because this is a so-called court, but it is a bunch of religious leaders that know what their goal is, and this is to find this man guilty, whatever he says. And Caiaphas is sitting there, all eyes are on him, and he's waiting for his moment. He's trying to prove something. And you ever notice that when somebody's trying to prove an agenda that they know is probably not true, they try to get other untruths to back them up? They try to claim falsehoods. They try to do all this kind of stuff, spread false information. That's what's happening here. They bring in false witness after false witness, but nothing's really landing here. And so finally, they bring two other people, and the two people were there, and they say, this guy uh, just a couple of days ago actually said that he could tear down the temple and rebuild it in three days. Now, we know that Jesus is talking about himself. We know that Jesus is looking at that temple, and he's seeing a structure. He's seeing something that once represented a true worship place, a true place where people would come and worship, but he knows that it's gotten corrupt over the years. He knows that it is now a building that holds a lot of hypocrisy, but he's talking about himself. He's saying, this is where you used to go and have a presence with God. If you want that now, I'm it. I am it, but I, I will be torn apart, taken down, but in three days, I'll rise again. The religious leaders want to turn that and use it against him, but it's not enough. It's still not enough to put the man to death. And so Caiaphas sits there and he says, I put you on trial. Tell us. Are you who you claim you say you are? Are you the Messiah? Are you the Son of God? And Jesus stands there and he says, that's what you say I am. And I'll tell you this, you will soon see the Son of Man on the right side of power, descending from the heavens on a cloud. That is what they needed. Remember, we're at a time where emperors of Rome referred to themselves as the Son of God, the Son of Man. So they know that they've got him religiously by claiming to be the chosen one, and they know that they've got him politically, because that's the words that's going to win them over with Rome to get this guy killed. And so Caiaphas jumps up in great drama. He tears his clothes, which is something that they did in the, in the customs where it meant uh, great grief, great anguish, all of that kind of stuff. And he tears it dramatically. He acts all hurt and he says, blasphemy. Inside, though, he's going, yes, this is exactly what we needed. 
This is the words we needed. He's walked right into our trap. This is where we've, we've got him. And he stands up and he looks at the religious leaders and he says, this person has blasphemed. You know what he's supposed to have. Tell me, what's the verdict? And they say, put him to death. Because that was what you did with blasphemy then. The entire group has now condemned Jesus. Now, Jesus is the one that said just a couple of days ago, he told Peter, I could descend an army of angels to defend myself. I could descend an army of angels to fight this, to annihilate everybody. But I will not. The message that Jesus continually tells us is that I am in a world of violence. I am in a world of hypocrisy. I am in a world where people hurt each other. But I will not partake in it. I will not fight back on this. Because Christ knew that his mission was to suffer and to die. Christ knew that he was the Savior. And to give us the example of what the kingdom of heaven was like, he will not partake in violence. He will not fight them back. He will succumb. He will go to the cross. And like he said, he will rise again in three days. The Religious leaders aren't just happy with the fact that they've got this guy in a sentence now. Now they start to mock him. They start to stand around him. They start to call him names. They start to belittle him. And some of them even start to hit him. They sneak up behind him and they smack him and they say, Hey, prophet, who just hit you? If we saw this happening, we would be hopefully appalled to see one person bound while other people are spitting on him, smacking him, hurting him, calling him names, and sentencing him unjustly to death. We are supposed to be appalled by this. We are not supposed to just read this through a, a holiday season and skim over it. We are supposed to stop here and say, this was unjust. This was appalling. And he took it. He took it because he is the Savior. He took it because he knew that that was his mission in life. He also took it to tell us, as a contrast, as we look at this story, the contrast was they were violent, he was not. It's a reminder that as Christians, we are supposed to be messengers of peace. We are supposed to be messengers of looking out for one another. You know, for years as a pastor, I have repeated this. We are Christians. Our job is to be as Christ-like as possible, to follow Christ in whatever Christ does. But this is one this is one time I'm going to tell you, we're not meant to do this. We are not meant to take the brunt that Jesus took. Christ took a beating. He took, well, this is all the stuff that Christ did just in this one scene. In this one short little scene here, they judged him incorrectly. They judged him wrongly. They labeled him as a rebel, as an anarchist. 
They backstabbed him. They talked about him before he was ever even in the room. They scapegoated him. Even though that they were corrupt and doing all this stuff, they blamed him for all of the problems that they had. He was the problem. They spread propaganda. They continually tried to turn the crowds against Jesus, and they'll continue to do so. They twisted his own words, the temple, things that he preached. They refused to sit there and actually listen to the man. They refused to actually have an open, respectful conversation with him. Their mind was made up. All they were looking for was words he could say that they could turn against him. They tried to intimidate him. They probably thought that they were, but Christ knew that it was all part of the plan. And for years, they had been abusing their authority and their power to hurt and harm people, and they were abusing it now by taking him and putting him in the middle of the night and trying him without an audience and making their own judgments. They played the victim. He was harming us. His words are harming us. It's harming our faith. He needs to go. They bullied him, surrounded him, and they took physical violence toward him. Jesus endured this because he is the Savior. You were not. No one on any one of these. We are not expected to live through this. We are not expected to take this. We are not expected to endure this. We are not expected to do this. This is a time that Jesus truly stands alone because of who Jesus is. But the message that we get from Jesus is to what? Love God, to love ourselves, to love our neighbor. Christ said, love your neighbor as you would yourself. That means what? Accepting yourself, or does it also mean respecting yourself? Does it mean giving yourself dignity? Does it mean saying that if somebody is doing something like this to me, it's not okay? Is that what that means? Because the measure that we give to ourselves is the measure that we give to our neighbor. Our job as Christians is not to continually be a, a doormat, or to take a beating. It was never intended that way. And some of us were in situations where we have. Some of us, we are in family situations, spouses, boyfriend, girlfriend, partner, whatever, uh, co-workers, friends. We've been in situations where we've experienced that people have backstabbed us maybe. Have you ever been in a place where you've, 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 you discovered that people were talking about you more than to you? It can be family situations. It can be friends where people that you once trusted have now kind of just started their own agenda. And because you're trying to just be yourself or be who you are, they've judged you or labeled you. They've put a tag on you and that's how they identify you. Some families and friends and stuff have scapegoated other people. Oh, you're the problem. You know, if, because you're, the thing that you're doing, the stuff that you're doing, that's why Uncle Charlie has the drinking problem. That's why, you know. The reason that we are in such a situation as we are is just because whatever you're doing. 
And then they go and tell other people, you know, that they try to win the argument by just telling their side to other people and try to rally people around you, and you're not even there for the conversation. We're not meant to take that. We're not meant to be a part of that. It is okay as a Christian to walk away from that. If you're ever in a situation where people are talking poorly about you or labeling you or blaming you or telling things about you, it is okay to say, as a Christian, as a loving Christian, it is okay to say, I'm not going to take this. The thing that we do learn is that we do not give it back to them. You ever seen on social media, somebody will post something, and somebody will write a nasty comment, and then there's a thread of back and forth of the people just doing this, and now they're in this, this polluted conversation of trying to one-up each other. That's not what we're meant to do. We're not meant to, if somebody hurts us, we're not meant to hurt them back, but we do have the right to walk away from something that is harming us. If somebody is disrespecting us, if somebody is hurting us, if somebody is spreading false rumors about us, talking badly about us, backstabbing us, whatever the case may be, we do have the right to say, I will not partake in this. And in love, we can actually say, I will step away from this. It's not always easy. Friendships have been broken because of things like this. Family members have stopped communicating because of things like this. People have lost jobs. People have been hurt because of things like this. And it takes incredible bravery to walk away from it. And as Christ tells us, we are to walk away from it. We are not to endure it. Christ endured it because he had a special mission that was his. He took the beatings because of a, something we, that is so beyond us. None of us, it's in our pay grade. And Christ never expected us to do that. But what he does expect us to do is to treat our neighbor as we would want to be treated. That means that if somebody does any of these, we don't accept that. We have the right to walk away from that. We have the right to stand up for ourselves and to love ourselves the way that Christ loves us. But we are expected to do the same for our neighbor. In other words, we don't take this, but we also don't give it. And if we see people that are victims of this, our job is not to turn a blind eye, but to help in any way that we can. I'm so proud that we have somebody from the Friendship Home. I'm so proud that we have people in our church that are part of organizations that are meant to help people. Because sometimes walking away is something that we can do, but there are many people in this world that are in positions where they cannot walk away. And it is our job to look out for those folks. It's our job to make sure that the scene that Jesus was in does never happen to anybody else. That's what we're here for. That's why we do things like justice in action. 
That's why we support things like the Friendship Home. That's why we started a, a, a mental health and crisis team. That's why we are here, because we are called to love God, to love ourselves, and to love our neighbor. And none of this means any of that. If you are ever in a situation where you feel that you've been belittled, disrespected, you have the right to walk away. And if you are ever in a situation where you feel like you cannot walk away, I pray that your family in Christ continues to advocate and look out for you. There are people that just by the mere place that they were born fall victim to this. There are people just by the color of their skin find themselves in this situation where they've already been tagged, they've already been judged, they've already been condemned before they can even open their mouth. There are people that have chosen things in their life to be their honest self to where they do not even have a chance to explain it to somebody because they have already condemned them. There are people in relationships that have felt like prisoners. I hope that we have the strength that if we are in a family situation, a friend situation, a hurt, a work situation, where we are being disrespected, where people are talking about you, people are judging you, people, I hope that you have the strength to walk away. And what I pray for is that we have the strength to not partake in it. And I pray that as a church family, we have the strength that if we see somebody that is being treated like Jesus was, we do everything we can to stop it and to help them. That's the message that we get from this. The role we can put ourselves into anyone in that scene. We can imagine what it felt like to get that. We can imagine what it feels like to do that to somebody else. And I think if we're honest, maybe to some extreme a little bit, we've all experienced every one of those parts. I hope that that gives us a sense of compassion. I hope that that gives us an eye open. I hope that that gives us the strength to truly, to truly love God, to love yourself, and to love your neighbor. Jesus endured this, but you don't have to. Would you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, help us, help us to treat ourselves the way that you want us to be treated. Help, help us to understand that we are loved, that we are children of, of you, that all of the things that you went through is because you loved us. Help us to feel that love and to experience that love and, and help us to be encouraged to be, to be who we are, to love ourselves, to truly love ourselves to where we, we do not settle, but we respect ourselves. We give ourselves dignity. We treat ourselves well and help us to do the same for every single person we see. Nobody deserves to be treated the way that you were. Help us be the advocates. Help us to be the people that help 
Help us to be the neighbors. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.